to groove. The psychedelic jackets on the record albums have their own Welcome to another edition of the Adam Dunn Show. I am your host, Adam Dunn. And I'm your co-host, Mitch Janasa. And we are, I think, our last official show at the house at adam's house this is the last official adam dunn show at adam dunn's house show sub season sub season two yes yeah uh we got a pretty interesting show we got some organics dragonfly earth medicine you guys have been requesting them forever i know the response is going to be huge i'm not even looking in the chat room right now because we're down a kti and a kid so i'm driving the whole ship but it's got to be full because i know when i posted it on facebook it's been a while since we've had a like response the day before like we had to this one, so I'll pop in, see what it looks like over here on the uh, on the web. And they got the new, and then the numbers are all yep, correct. Yep, all oh, we got our we got our old call-in number back. Oh, there we go. My phone's making. So I can't make my phone quieter. But what do you mean you can't make your? Phone it's not. It doesn't want to do it anyway. Uh, Dragonfly is going to be calling in in about three minutes. I just spoke to them. Uh, let me confirm that wasn't them messaging me right now. Oh, KTI says he just gave him the number, which is silly because I already gave him the number, KTI. One-handed KTI. One-handed. He's, one down, he's down a hand. He's, he is down a hand. So uh, uh, they're calling in three minutes. I got their message. Cool. cool. Sounds good. Cool. Well, then we'll skip news for later, yeah, we'll I guess. Yeah, we'll the news after. Cool. Because these guys got a lot of information. Yep, it's going to be an info dump. Go get your pens. You know what? Let's do shout-outs while we're waiting. Quick shout-out. Big, big shout-out to way to grow uh, Our favorite place to get all your hydroponic supplies, gear, uh, your extraction gear at Concentrate Corner, or actually at all the locations now. Uh, and all they have it everywhere supplies. now. Yeah, they have extraction gear at all the locations. Nice. There you go. So you don't only have to go to the Platte River. So but you if you're in town, go to Platte Go River. to Adam's favorite store. 20,000 square feet. Say hi to Tyson. Grab candy. Uh, or go down to the Colorado Sings, Springs, say hi to IROC. Exactly. And, and always use the ADS special when you're there. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be the Adam Dunn Show account that you charge it to. You don't charge it to. You actually charge it to your own account. You sure. pay for it. Yeah, that's true. Don't just say Adam Dunn Show. and think you can Charge it to Adam Dunn. Say charge it to I'll Adam be, I'll Dunn. I'll walk in and they'll be like, you do owe $14,000. Yes, you do that's what that. you do. When you go what? to Way to Grow, say charge it to Adam Dunn. <laughs> nope. Um, of course, big, big shout out to Incredibles Edibles. Colorado's number one edibles. California. Soon to be other states' number one edibles. Was it California or Nevada? Nevada. Nevada's Nevada number sure. one edibles. Uh, America's number one edibles. Soon to be the universe. Favorite flavors, most consistent potency, uh, great effects, uh, just really great company. Uh, they also have their Incredibles extracts, of course. Um, Incred- and check out those Incredible pens if you, if you can find them. They're if you always, can find the Incredibles pens, sold yes. sold out yeah. everywhere I go. Pretty much. Uh, of course, big, big shout out to Build the Soil, our other organics buddies. Yeah, if you're not listening to, the, the, if you want to catch up after this show and get into anything organic, just look up any show with Build the Soil. And that's yep. like a plethora of. And these guys info. use a lot of Build the Soil stuff they do. too. They're all about uh, nice. uh, what's it called no-till. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we do with Build with Build the Soil, and I believe they all they're all friends on the internet somewhere. So uh, good overlap there. Of course, a uh, big, big shout out to uh, our friends over at Hydroponic Research, makers of Veg and Bloom. Uh, if for some reason you're not growing organic, maybe you're growing a huge facility. Maybe you're trying to grow in a place where you're trying to keep your entire situation sterile. Uh, maybe you're trying to 
produce massive consistency with very little uh, effort, then you want uh, to check out VeggieBloom at hydroponicresearch.com. Welcome to the Adam Dunn Show. Hi, this is Kelly from Dragonfly Earth Medicine and Josh. Hey, Kelly and Josh. How are you guys doing? We're doing awesome. How are you doing? We're doing great. Adam, say hi. Hey, how you doing? Nice to talk to you guys. Um, nice to talk to you. We feel totally honored to be on your show today. Well, we're looking forward. We're just doing a little few shout-outs right now, and so just hang on the line, and we'll dig right into this whole thing after this. Yeah, guys, just hang with us a couple seconds, and if we could ask you to turn down the speakers on your end, or your phone volume, I'm getting a weird little echo. You're getting an echo. Yeah, I'm getting an echo on your end. Might just be your volume. In the meantime... Oh, it's gone now. It's That's gone. good. That's <laughs> good. good. We job. figured it out. Whatever you did was perfect. Uh, oh, I didn't do anything. Okay, great. Oh, well, then Skype fixed it. Awesome. Uh, let's finish the shout-outs. So, uh, yeah, hydroponicresearch.com, makers of Veg and Bloom. Check them out. Again, if you're, to- if you're looking for an easy solution to grow large-scale, can't be easier, can't than, be easier than that powder. That powder. And, of course, and our buddies course, at Growstones, Adam Growstone. Made from recycled glass, precision engineered for plants, uh, better water holding capacity, better air holding capacity, better cation exchange uh, ratio than your perlite, uh, potentially even than your lava rock or some other aeration amendments you're using in your mix. Check them out, Growstone USA. Uh, they're available everywhere. I know they're putting on a new rep here in Colorado. They're looking for a new rep uh, out in the Pacific Northwest. So link with them on social media if you'd be interested in that kind of thing. But otherwise, check them out at your local grow store. They're, they're everywhere. Uh, and of course, made from 100% recycled glass. What could be better? Um, so with so that, seeds here now, seeds here now, seeds here now. Seeds here now. I can't play that advertisement for you, buddy. I know you're listening, but our favorite source for genetics in the United States and uh, and elsewhere, killing it up in Alaska, killing it everywhere. That James Bean character. Do you know what the new commercial is about, Adam? Um, it's about exotic genetics uh, drop. What do you got? Do you know? Pull it up and just play it into the mic. We won't have video for you this time. But I don't think there's any, I don't think there's Oh, it's not one of those where there's a funny guy saying stuff? I don't think there's a funny guy on this one. Ah, disappointing. Ah, no funny guys. Uh, hold on one second. Let's see. Let's see oh, he's looking. Oh, I didn't get that. That's much better than mine. You got a whole list of graphics. There's no funny guys. No funny guys. No? No. It's just sound. It's just exotic genetics. Exotic new strains. Strain. And that's all it says. <laughs> so then what are the new strains? Read them. Is it another video? $100 packs here. $100 packs of? Can't see it. Can't see it. <laughs> There's a list underneath. I saw it. There's a list. No, not a video. It's like an image. Yep, there you go. Ah, here we go. Oh, good music you got there. I like this. Very starring. Exotic, Exotic genetics. Now you got to read the strands. Uh, bog seeds, $100 a pack. Oh, there you go. Uh, all Crockett Farms, uh, $85 a pack. I That's think? good. Or $95. I can't. My eyes are terrible. I'll read it. How about <laughs> I read it? Mosca seeds. Mosca seeds. Buy two packs, get one free. Top Dog, 20% off. Brothers Grimm. Buy any Brothers Grimm pack, get a 10-pack of Grimm mix free. And Green Avenger, Grimdica, Hashmaster, and Rosetta Stone are now only $100 per pack. Grim Mix is 10 seeds of an F1 with different phenotype variants in each pack. The Grim Mix will not show up in your shopping cart online, but it will be added to your order by the shipping department. Uh, the free pack and the Mosca deal, by the way, will be chosen by the Seeds Here Now shipping department. And the new exotic drops coming up. Trap Stars LAOG crossed with the Cube. Black Mamba's Mint Chocolate Chip crossed with the Cube. Scissor, which is Purple Drank, crossed with the Cookies and Cream. Big Smooth is OG Blueberry, crossed with Cookies and Cream. The Candy is LAOG, crossed Cookies and Cream. And Shrieker is Miami Haze, uh, crossed to the Cube, which now I kind of really want to try that. Cuban Haze Cross? I'll play with that. Pretty dope. 
I'll play with that. And, and that's it. And we're there. Right on. Still got to figure out the sound thing. No, we definitely do still have a little echo thing. I wonder if the listeners hear it or if it's just us. Uh, I don't have any help here because they're neither of the interns, neither the intern nor the sound guys here. We're so blaming the kid? Is that what you're saying? Uh, we're blaming, blaming everyone. We're blaming KTI a little, but he's injured, so he has an excuse. But either way, we have our guests, and they're not echoing, and they'll do most of the talking, so that's fine. So let's uh, welcome Dragonfly Earth Medicine. Thank you guys for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having us. We're honored. So uh, you guys have been heavily requested by our audience. And as we discussed kind of briefly in our conversation yesterday, uh, what makes you guys so interesting is that your approach to closed-loop organics. And so let's dive right into it. What do you mean by that approach? Closed-loop organics just means that everything is coming from in-house. So plants are feeding plants. You're utilizing your cannabis leaves to regrow your next generation of cannabis. You're reutilizing everything that is made in-house. If you have a worm casting or a worm casting bin, then all of your leaves and stuff go into that. We utilize, um, you know, reuse of water, water catchment system. That's a closed-loop system. Another closed-loop is your, um, you know, making your own genetics, making your own seeds so that, you know, nothing is really coming from outside because as we know, we have so many different types of pathogenic infestations in our monoculture community that the more that you become more closed loop, the less of those problems that you have. Sure. And we, we work on um, bringing more plants into the picture, um, adding plants that can benefit the cannabis plant, essentially creating a cannabis guild, meaning um, what plants do we use that support the cannabis plant in our compost, in our worm farms, whether it's top dressing, whether we grow those seeds out to create cover crops. Um, we also, you know, we look into how the spaces are, are heated and cooled and, and whether we can get into any geothermal and, and whether we can reduce our footprint and what kind of lighting are we using and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's, a, it's a multifaceted approach and we take each situation individually. So I guess, so I guess the way we like to start like is kind of from the kind of beginning. beginning. If you were if advising you were someone who wanted to switch over to that method really right now, right now. How, how would you suggest they do that? One step at a time, for sure, because, you know, people have such, you know, large in-depth growing um, systems, especially now that the commercial growers are coming out and we've got legalization, you know, people are setting up really large facilities, and rather than, like, taking a whole bunch of money and switching over their entire system, you know, just starting with one thing at a time, you know, one closed loop then leads to another closed loop, which leads to another closed loop. Starting with a worm farm is a really great and easy way to have a closed loop that you could be saving so much money and nutrients every year just by adding all of your clippings and all of your leaves and all of your stalks into the worm bin to then be able to reuse into your soil or top dress or put it into your teas. So just one step at a time makes it, you know, way easier to bite off. It matters on if you're just beginning you know, a, a project or whether you're in a project and, and you're looking at what can I, you know, what can I do to transform it. So, you know, that's, that's why it's kind of individual and it's, it's regional, you know, too. And it depends, you know, in Colorado, you have a amazing dry climate and it takes 
um, a lot of machines and, and parts, air conditioning because of the heat, and you can save water from your air conditioning and get that into a tank and reuse it. Um, you know, there's there's a, as many systems as you can. Um, like I said, geothermal before, if you're just starting a project, it makes sense to look into geothermal. There's government rebates for it that that give you money back in your investment, and in the end, you're working towards a, a net zero heating and cooling system, and you can do it by drilling straight into the earth, and, and that can be done, you know, without taking up a lot of land space. Um, if you have land, a lot of people in Colorado and different places have land, you can do trenching, and I mean, that's a huge, tremendous savings, and you want to talk about, you know, saving money and getting more profits. That's one way of doing it. So let's, I guess, take it back to the, the essentials of growing. I mean, where in the cultivation cycle do you start to have differences in your method than, say, uh, how someone else might grow? Um, uh, well, you know, we've, we've been doing this for over 25 years, and it started out that we uh, moved up to British Columbia and we're so far away from really any type of town or township to be able to buy any type of nutrients or buy any type of amendments. We just started looking into ulterior motives and ulterior methods on what it is that we could utilize to make our own nutrients because sometimes our patches were out maybe seven, eight hours hike up into the wilderness area and zones. So we started to look into ancient cultivation practices and farming practices and what is it that, you know, our ancestors did before we had grow stores or before we had this ability to just go out to a store and buy different type of nutrients. So in that, we came across uh, Korean natural farming. We came across different type of weed brews and ferments. We were, learned a lot about different types of composting and how we could utilize our natural, you know, zone and area to up our cannabis farms. And continue using the same soils and by using all of the, the weeds and the plants around us in our soils as we, like, made new beds each year, we realized that, you know, it starts with the dirt and then how far do you want to go back? I mean, as far as the gardening method goes, I mean, the gardening method starts all throughout the year. I mean, you, by having your own compost and by making your own dirt from from the land, that's essentially the beginning. And then you get into propagation and if is it, is it going to be seeds or clones. And then, um, you know, we sustain giant, amazing plants on weeds all summer long. We don't feed anything else. We have incredible dirt that we've been building over the years, never changed, always added to. And we grow these magnificent, amazing plants, and it's just a teaching that, wow, this is, this is the way that it's always been done, and you're producing incredible stocks with, you know, with the horse tails and the silicas. So, you know, it's never really been about products for us, and, and essentially that life became that product for us and so we brought that to a product but essentially um you know it comes into just feeding weeds to the to the weed to the ganja and um that's that's a really big teaching well yeah also you get the local local microbial microbial life too that you wouldn't get if you get a bottle of something from somewhere else exactly i mean to buy food is really expensive to get buy organic food is even more expensive to grow it 
is super cheap and life-giving. So if you have a cover crop of salad greens underneath your plants, you're feeding yourself. You can use some of it as mulch because a lot of times when you're growing a bunch of salad greens, there's extra. You can feed it to your worms, and you have a permaculture. So you guys started by talking about... uh, earthworm castings and, and starting your own worm farm. Uh, I know that some of our guests we've had on before advocate really specific methods of best practices for that. Do you guys have any worm farm best practices? Like I know, for example, some people really prefer to, to do a thermocompost first and then feed that compost to the worms to kind of get it even more refined and charged up with micro life. But it sounds like you guys are throwing your bio waste right into the worm bin without any issues, of course. Yep, everything just goes right into the worm bin. You know, we try to make it as simple as possible and are realizing, you know, it's not always rocket science just to do what's easy and natural. You know, a lot of these methods we're not coming up with on our own. We're mimicking Mother Nature and what is it that she has shown us and what type of successes has she had. And then we basically are copycats. And everything that she has taught us is is what we use. And in our big compost piles before we had, you know, quote-unquote worm bins, you know, everything went into the compost, you know, whether it was our raked-up leaves, whether it was our grass clippings or all of our cannabis leaves or all of our cuttings, you know, everything goes in there. And you just realize after probably about 30 days that you've doubled or tripled your worm volume in there and all of that is completely digested. And um, it depends. If you're going to start a worm casting company, you know, you might consider pre-digested, you know, compost, and then you take that compost and put it in buckets, and you do it a certain amount of time, and the worms digest it perfectly, and then you get this high-grade, perfect worm casting that's sellable to the community. I mean, there it's not one-way works. There's all these different ways. So it's possible to have a compost pile with a, a wire mesh on the bottom, and 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 your organic matter is slowly layered over time because you don't don't just dump organic matter on it once and walk away. It's something that comes in, you know, daily, maybe weekly. And you put worms in there, and that that whole thing is to eat organic matter. Then the worms are eating that, and the worm castings are left on the bottom. I mean, that worm casting quality is totally perfect for, for dirts. And maybe there's a little extra organic matter left in, to the compost, it's it's perfect addition to dirt. It's just then the worms go into your into your plants and into your soils because you're adding your worm castings and compost in there, and then you realize your plant dirt is actually the worm bin, and then that's the next level. So when you have that situation where you have worms sort of like living comfortably in your plant dirt, uh, do you do you start feeding the worms that live in your root zone, or do they just sort of prune the dead roots? Um, Oh, yeah, we definitely feed them. So we believe in cover cropping, but cover cropping is a rotational cover cropping. There's so many different seeds out there that are really high in different types of nutrients, you know, to go beyond the NPK, which, of course, you guys are really well-versed in. Um, You know, what type of vegetation is high in calcium? Because we know during the transfer time of when you move from um, vegetative to flowering, you know, there's a tremendous amount of cal mag that's taken up during that time. So what type of cover crop can we utilize on our plants at that time to grow up about two inches 
and then we pull it up and lay it right down on the soil and then we put another cover crop in there that's specific to what we know that the plant is uptaking at what part of their life cycle. So a constant movement of cover cropping is feeding the microbial life, it's feeding the roots that are right up at the, at the top of the soil and also feeding the worms. So that's very interesting, the constant cover crop rotation. And would you advocate that or recommend that even if someone's growing indoors? And how long would you keep each crop going? Yeah, absolutely. We totally recommend it for people. So usually we just tell people to grow it up about two to three inches. And then it's sort of like a lop and drop. You just pull it up just a little bit with the roots and all and lay it down on the ground. And the system is layering and it's building your soils. It's building your microbial life. And, you know, it's definitely building the allotment of what a plant can uptake. So the plant is continuously uptaking what it needs when it needs it. You know, we know that poppy seeds are some of the highest form of phosphorus that you can find in a plant form. So what a wonderful thing to get a really large cover crop of poppy seeds just as your plants are starting to transition into flowering. Mm -hmm. So that it's completely available. We know that chickweed is a wonderful cover crop, and that has a super high nitrogen, and it breaks down really easily. And, you know, that's really good at the very beginning, um, you know, as soon as you start your seeds or you put in your clones into their final pots. So, honestly, this is really interesting. Do you have, Can you walk us through sort of how the cover crop rotation you would go from, say, transplanting a clone or a seedling into your vegetative mix? onwards? Sure. Um, we really like chickweed to start out. And of course, you know, it really is all dependent on what, you know, you can get in your area and what type of organic seeds that you can find in your area. We really um, are more interested in seeds rather than grains. Um, grains are sort of an interesting, they can, they can capture different types of microbial life that you may not want to be bringing into your outdoor garden. It's just the way that we do it and recommend it. So we really work more with seeds. The tiny little seeds are the ones that have the tremendous amount of nutrients. So we might start with chickweed seeds, and then we grow the chickweed out until, you know, the plant is up above it, you know, the chickweed, and then we'll pull the chickweed and lay it on top. And then we would follow it up with a nice clover. Clover is a wonderful nitrogen fixer. It's also fantastic for microbes. They want to eat it immediately. Both of those things are really easy to break down. And then we would probably move into an alfalfa cover crop. And then after an alfalfa cover crop, you know, fenugreek is a wonderful all-around, um, it contains a, a tremendous amount of nutrients, you know, that the plant needs for its vegetative and as it starts to growing, you know, grow large. And then, and then you might want to move into, um, Amaranth is a wonderful one, and then after amaranth, you might want to move into quinoa, and then after quinoa, then you move into sunflower, because sunflowers have a tremendous amount of potassium, which the plant starts uptaking, and then we usually end it with poppy seeds. And so you're never really going to get full-grown poppies or full-grown sunflowers out of it. You're chopping them, you're chopping, you're pulling out the sprouts, but then you're getting that enzymatic action and really the the denser nutrition of the sprouts. So we get our seeds from that. And then, um, and then uh, what about sprouted CTs? Do you guys do that too? Oh, yeah. Sprouted CTs are wonderful, and we just think that they're amazing. And you can have the same idea if you don't want to do a cover cropping and you feel like, oh, you know, I don't feel necessarily comfortable with that. I want to just do my top dressing that I normally do. You can grow out your seeds um, in big jars and then just 
blend them in a blender and just put it, put it in and drench it immediately because then you have an incredible amount of live enzymes and all types of raw materials. And just like us, you know, we really try to think about what's a perfect diet for a plant. And a perfect diet for us is really similar to what's a perfect diet for a plant is, you know, 80, 60 to 80% raw foods and, you know, the rest is cooked and maybe some process that you do in your own home. But, you know, whole live raw foods is what we know keeps the highest immune um, response in our own bodies as well as in our soil and also our plants. And it's supplemental. It's not like we're drenching tons of, you know, you know, the whole entire cycle of, of different kinds of seeds and stuff because the soil is providing the main food. Just like us, we have the main food. And then we have the teas and the supplemental things that go along with it. So it's just to add microbial life, growth hormones, enzymes, and that's what you get from the, the live sprouts. We like live sprouts. And would you be doing uh, sprouted seed teas once a week or not even that often? Oh, you know, I, th I think it's dependent on how well your soil is doing and if you're growing small plants or large plants. But, you know, once a week is enough. You know, and, and if that's all you're doing, then that's probably enough, and you can add some compost to that, and you, and that would be a nice mix. But, yeah, I mean, starting with the best soil, of course, and then going from there and using your intuition. You know, I, you know we like to say once a week, but two weeks <clears throat> works really good. And then, uh, you know, with this fact that the soil builds up, it's going to get better over time. Do you find that the, there's, like, a decreasing reliance on supplementing it, like, if it's going to keep getting better and better and better at some point, you know, you should need to put less in it than you did, say, the first round. Oh, absolutely, for sure. We we have um, beds that we've been working out of for, you know, 15 years, and now we don't even really think about it if we put a seed directly into those soil beds that have been layered and layered and layered. We're not thinking, oh, geez, we need to feed it with a tea so that, you know, the first sprout of its life is going to come out amazing. We already know that it's going to come out amazing because then that soil has this beautiful, you know, all-encompassing vitamins and minerals, and it has all of the microbial life and the fungi and all of the bacteria that you're searching for, and it's continuously breaking it down. So, you know, nothing really can match an amazing soil. So, and it takes adding organic matter to it, too, constantly, mm -hmm. you know, throughout its life for it to stay well, or it, and the plants that we grow do uptake nutrients, so it really does take the the extra organic matter to keep it healthy. So for people starting out, let's say they're just setting their bed, they haven't even done their first no-till cycle, are you going to recommend sort of they're supplementing more with compost teas specifically to get the life in there? Uh, obviously the cover crops are going to provide nutrition, but is there is there more that they have to add to it? Yeah, I mean, starting off with a great soil and just adding teas as you go is wonderful. And, and the idea of utilizing plant nutrients or utilizing plants as your main source your of soil. nutrients in your soils is that you're never going to overload your plants or you're not going to overload your soils because we all know that all good soils come from raw material of living plants. That's where it all derives from. Mm -hmm. And it's all composted matter. So it allows your plants to have that beautiful biological intelligence to uptake what it needs when it needs it and that we're not deciding what it needs when it needs it. So if it's all there, then the plant will be able to uptake it, you know, as, as it needs it. So we recommend um, a nice, diverse <coughs> herbal mix in the soil. And then when you plant the plant, you don't need to use a lot of teas right away. Sure. Because 
plant is assimilating to the soil. So we, we recommend watering in the very you know first times um, to get the plant going. And once the plant reaches a state of vigor, where it starts to get the green growth on the edge of the on the edge of the branches, that's when you can start entering in, you know, your weed ferments or your sprouted tea. We don't we don't necessarily do on our land only sprouted teas here. We use our weeds on our land and we chop them up. You know, we, and I, we I want to get into the fermented plant extracts okay. and, and where your, that gets that's into. That's your steez right there. I mean, I, I've only dabbled. These guys done a lot more, but uh, I, I was always into compost teas and things like that. But first, I want to geek out on your soil mix. So cool. what kind of mix are you guys? I mean, what what, are, what is the, the raw ratios you're working with usually? What are you trying to, to get in your mix? Well, it's a veganic mix. So we try to stay away from any type of animal products in the soil. And the reason being is that because animal products can easily bring in unbeneficial pathogens. You know, you leave a piece of meat out or you leave a bowl of blood out um, and the things that are going to be drawn to it are going to be quite pathogenic. But if you were to leave out, you know, a head of lettuce or a large amount of kale, you know, the breakdown is, is a little bit easier. You're going to get more bacterial rich breakdown in there. So that's primarily what we work with. But our soils contain um, about 30% of powderized herbs, you can either use powderized or you can work with, um, we, we like the ratio of 30% worm castings, 30%, yeah, 30% worm castings and compost, 30% of some type of a medium, whether you're working with a cocoa coir or whether you're working with peat, people like either one or both, and lots of different reasons, and there's all types of different eco-politics out there on which one is better. Um, You know, we leave it up to who, you know, what it is that they feel comfortable with. And then the rest is pretty much, you know, a tremendous amount of different herbs that we utilize. We use nettles and comfrey, alfalfa, horsetail, burdock root, uh, turkey rhubarb root. We use wild yam. And I'm not really sure. I don't have it in front of me. So (laughs) (laughs) lots of different plants. Basalt rock dust. Yeah. Thomas, lava rock. And we we really like to use the pink Himalayan salt. We've been introducing that into our gardens now for the past maybe eight years with tremendous results. It just contains such an easily assimilable um, mineral nutrient that the plant can uptake immediately as well as the microbial life attaches itself onto it and excrements it immediately for the plant to uptake. And, and an important in, um, part of this is that we don't just, we don't buy just OMRI listed products because OMRI is not an organic certification. It's an organic review from an institution in Eugene, Oregon and it's not a stamp of organic. So to be out buying raw materials super cheap and not knowing where that farm came from is not a heady way to go. And it's potentially been farmed not organically and to have organic and it could put the potential for GMO and certain products is there. So that's why we say about, that's why we talk about closed loop is because whether it's your farm or someone you know's farm, it's important to know your farmer. Same with cannabis, getting your own medicine, knowing the person that grows your medicine makes you feel better. 
we really know the the raw materials that we put into our soil when we get we're not just lifting off a bunch of herbs just because it's on a whim we've thought about it we know where those herbs come from they're certified organic and even to say certified organic is potentially not enough but the certified organic is is what is it so you know potentially 30 percent chemicals or different products that we don't agree with we feel organic the word organic may not isn't isn't enough yeah, it's been over and so to know your farmer know your inputs know your herbs and know what you put in there is really crucial to us because we want we know the rhizosphere is so powerful we want it to be eating totally pure totally of the earth food so when it comes out and it's producing trichomes and it's producing secondary metabolites and chemotypes and phenotypes, it's at full potential because it's eating food it understands. It's eating food that it evolved to eat. Plants are evolving like we are, and we need to respect that evolution. That's why we feel passionate about that. So having a proper soil that has that, that pure high-grade food in there is, is a great feeling, and you see the plants respond through vitality and health and, and you know, it's, it's an important thing because the environment is taxed around us. You can see powdery mildew growing on trees, and you can see mites growing on trees. And anyway, yeah, that's so one of the things I was going to ask you about your IPM. On, on, yeah, on what do you do for your IPM? Oh, we, we call it an IPSM. <laughs> so it's an integrated pest and fungal management program, and... We really utilize the idea of creating an ultimate immune response with our plants and with our gardens and with the, the whole entire area. So not looking at a problem as a one specific problem, you know, that's a very allopathic way um, to look at an issue. You know, if you've got an issue with powdery mildew in your rooms, to be able to look at the entire room as a potential issue as, you know, wh why did it come in or how is it that it got here is a good question to start and then how do I get rid of it in a way that you know like a stone if you're dropping a stone into a puddle of water you know that first IPSM regiment is the first you know ripple and then everything else ripples out from that so whatever you utilize to be able to look at all of the ripples is what's helpful because if you're not looking at all of the ripples then there could be a potential problem with your immune response whether it's in your room whether it's in your soil whether it's with your microbe life whether it's with the leaf the leaf structure yeah. or the uptake of the roots so looking at it as a whole issue is important and we go in really slow and easy if you would with a with an illness you know when whenever you have an illness you know the first thing is not to be so symptomatic with it like oh I've got a fungi spot on my you know knee and I'm gonna put some antifungal cream on it well that's all well and good but it's not gonna get rid of the issue necessarily because the issue is probably systemic where is it that it came from and how can you heal it so that you're 100% healed? Yeah. We utilize a lot of botanical washes, um, you know, 
utilizing lavender, rosemary, lemongrass, patchouli, yarrow, valerian, um, you know, all of these different types of herbs that you can wash the leaves with rather than coating the leaves. A lot of people, you know, love the IPM uh, regimen that utilizes oils and essential oils. And through our observational research on our own land and working with lots of other, you know, people, we don't do it that way. We're not saying that, you know, utilizing essential oils is a bad thing. It's just not something that we utilize because those leaves then go back into the system. And if they're coated with essential oils and they're coated with, you know, other types of extractions, then the worms aren't going to like it and maybe it's not going to be so good as a top dresser or it might not be so good as a, as a soil additive. So yeah, keeping it... Keeping it clean yeah, from the very beginning. We use a lot of washes, and then predators are really big for us. We believe that you allow pests to take care of pests and microbes to take care of your microbes. So we don't ever think that maybe we can out, you know, in spray, outspray our enemy. <laughs> yeah, we've never thought that that's been able to work before for us. And so we do a lot of washes and then introduce predators for mite problems, thrip problems, and it works fantastic. So creating an environment that allows the predator, when you release your predators, the predator's like, oh my gosh, what a fantastic environment. This leaf is exactly a leaf that I would love to live on, and I can just go and eat everything that I want and be able to propagate you know, as much as I want, and then that's creating, um, you know, a beneficial community. So the same with, you know, yeast and fungi that live on the outside of your leaves, you know, how is it that you can create an environment on that leaf so your beneficial cyanobacteria wants to attach itself onto it? We believe by spraying, you know, heavy oils and this sort of thing that you might be deterring your cyanobacteria, which is your number one ally for any type of powdery mildew or downy mildew. And you could potentially be using um, bio um, um, fungicides and stuff, which are biologically correct and they're organic and that's good. But if you're like nervous and you're just and you're just getting things and you're doing all this stuff. That's why we talk about washes because if you use bio, bio fungicides and different kind of um, biological compounds that, that eat the, the bad mites, they can also eat the good mites and they can take away the, the, the life and the surface. That's what she's talking about for the, um, for the predator mites. So that's the importance of it. So talking about washes, is there like a basic recipe that you guys would advise or ratios that you can give to the listeners? Um, we, you know, you can either go and get, you know, different types of bulk herbs or you can even get them from your environment. We always encourage people to grow at least one rosemary plant or one lavender plant and constantly switching it up. You know, never having the same wash is what keeps you ahead of, you know, the intelligence of your pathogens that are in your garden. So always switching it up. natural food store. Yeah, you can go to a natural food store. You can buy different types of things that you can soak in water. You can make a, a warm tea out of it and just spray it and literally get a pump sprayer and wash it. You know, misting your plants is one thing, but actually literally washing your leaves is a wonderful way to deter 
that colonization or that natural, you know, mites, mites propagate every three days. And if you're constantly interrupting that propagation, then they're thinking to themselves, maybe I don't really want to live here. And, you know, maybe, you know, the next eggs that I'm going to regenerate are, are not going to be as healthy because this environment isn't optimal for me. So trying to create an optimal environment for your predators is better in a non-optimal environment for your pathogenic insects. Sure. And, uh, you... Which really didn't answer your question. So about, <laughs> about lactic acid bacteria and EM is, is a great way to extract herbs. And you can do a simple fermentation with lavenders and neem and... Um, all kinds of different, valerians, different So when you're things, creating you can, your washes, you they're make not necessarily... We have recipes if anyone wants to communicate with us online, we can share that with them. Awesome. Um, well, we'll definitely suggest people And, you know, that. the ratios, when again, like I said, when you're working with raw plant material, the ratios are just... It's sort of like a you know, an intuitive feeling when you're making these recipes. You can have a set recipe and you can go off of that, but as you start making more and more of them, you realize, oh, you know... This is a great addition to it, and this isn't, but you're not really going to harm your plant with botanical washes. You're certainly not going to burn them. It's just things that your plant understands, so you're not really running the risk of harming your plants through washes. So do you have to run a fermentation to do a wash, or you can just kind of make a cold water tea or, as you said, a hot water tea and spray Natural that? Natural Mystic is, has the, all the ingredients on it. Sorry, I, I couldn't hear you there. Could you repeat oh, that? Oh, I, I think we lost you guys. We can't hear you anymore. Ah. Was that mic's not working? Sorry, we tried switching sorry. microphones to get rid of the echo problem, but uh, that didn't work. Oh, sorry. But now we're back. So, okay. Um, so, yeah, can you um, can you make uh, one of these botanical washes just by soaking in sort of cold water or warm water and then letting it cool before you spray on the plant, or is it necessary to, to ferment to sort of break out the uh, active ingredients? Fermentation is always optimal, you know, but we we really we've we've Cold water. we've looked at under a microscope at the daily you know, with each different washes, we've looked under a microscope at, you know, broad mites and irified mites and spider mites and thrips and what type of things, you know, deter them and what type of things really enhance them. One thing that we definitely noticed, which is interesting, is that, you know, a lot of people were utilizing hydrogen peroxide, you know, as an addition for deterring mites. And we realized that the broad mite loves nothing more than H2O2. Really? <laughs> and it just goes crazy as soon as you add that estrogen oxygen molecule. So we don't really recommend anybody utilizing H2O2 to get rid of a mite issue hmm. because they just love that extra oxygen. But we really didn't notice necessarily a huge difference on whether we you know, heated up the water and we made a nice tea extraction out of the botanical washes or we did a ferment and we utilized, you know, worm castings with it. But always adding into those tea brews things that your plants like to uptake. We know that plants can absorb a tremendous amount of nutrients and minerals through their washes. So every single amount of, you know, foliar that we put onto the plant, we're not thinking about we're just stripping the mites or we're just stripping the yeast fungi. What we want to do is also boost the immune response in the leaf and boost the cyanobacteria so that the leaf has this ultimate immune response so that it can deter these pests and these pathogens on their own. 
Yeah, it's always nice because that's it. what you're really going for, and that's the idea of you know that drop that I had talked about. You know that stone in the water is that the first ripple is this, and the second ripple is that, and you just want every single thing that you put into your plant and into your rooms to boost the immune response, which we which we call biological intelligence. Yeah, so I mean, when you see a good canopy, a real healthy canopy, it's like it's so obvious that like. It's I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Oh, I can't hear me on this end either. Weird, you, weird, but you can hear me, right? I can yeah. hear you right now. Huh, that's weird. So you can't hear Adam, but you can hear me. Yeah. Huh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not important. Sorry, Adam. <laughs> sorry, Adam. <laughs> Hold on, I'll pass the mic to Adam and try to make it so you can hear both of us. Okay. <laughs> no, so basically all I was saying was that the it, it, when you have a healthy canopy, it's almost like it's an invisible thing that you can see the the resistance on those plants just just by the the sheer health of them all you know and then when you get a sick when you have a canopy that's not looking healthy at all it's amazing how you can really see all the holes built into the like oh yeah these are just getting annihilated and daily they'll look you know worse because of the fact that these people have just been toxing them out trying to treat the symptom and not going for the actual cause of the the thing like you were saying earlier yeah and then in the end you just kind of end up beating up the whole the, the plant and its intelligence in that way and, and it's just you know it's getting hit from all directions so having that health and that's why we like the predator mites so much because it takes away the need to spray so much you get a healthy and we really like copert for the simple fact is they're the number one bug producing place in the world they only produce bugs they're not affiliated with any gmo company in the world, which Syngenta and other companies are, and that's not okay. So finding someone who can work with Copert is a, is a beautiful thing because they give you um, predators the next day, ships straight to you, and it allows the plant full health. I mean, how good do you feel when you walk into a garden and you see the leaves just flat out green and even praying up to your lights? That's and you know that you have this, uh, yeah, and you have this ally of predator mites and predators and even soil, you know, nematodes and hypoapsis and, and different predator nematodes that are in the soils. You just feel like, okay, I'm going to start this garden, I'm going to put out my predators, and I'm going to have this beautiful start. And then you don't have to get into all this, oh, my God, product hell and trying to go into all these different things and so starting off from the beginning with a really healthy clean scene is crucial and i mean we we created natural mystic you know to be what we're talking about and it has bacteria in it and it has trichoderma and it has things that eat we we've been able to see the soils that were affected by powdery mildews and, and and different pathogens we've used natural mystic as a drench on the soils and taken lab reports of the soils and completely remediated and cleaned out the soils. We have um, a real love for remediation and we use fungi in the form of, of, you know, garden giants and also trichodermas and also mycorrhiza to be a ally in the root zone. And, and utilizing prophylactically, you know, it's like we can't be expecting to be eating potato chips and a bunch of candy bars all the time and expect to remain healthy. You know, your best health when you're 85 is to start right now. So we always joke in saying that, you know, we're in training to be healthy 85-year-olds, and it's the same with your garden. You know, you want to start with 
beautiful health in your garden from the beginning before you have a problem. And then when you have a problem, the problem is very easily remediated because you've already had such a healthy response and your plants understand what health is. And your microbial colonies know each other. Everybody's all in alignment. And that's why closed-loop systems are so important is that anytime you bring in anything from the outside, your entire colony and your plants and your soils and everything that's going on in there has to then get, like, reintroduced. And they all have to reintroduce each other, and then you're hoping that that's going to go well. Whereas if you've got a closed-loop system, your biological intelligence is so incredibly high that for a pathogen to be able to cross that threshold is not only rare, but when it does cross that threshold, it's probably not going to cross it with as much vigor and strength as it would if you didn't have an already healthy garden. Sure. So I think that's a great jump-off point, point to fermented plant extracts. Obviously, it starts with lactobacilla or starts with EM1. Do you guys culture your own lacto or do you recommend a good source for it? Uh, how do you guys recommend people start? Um, well, people that live in the country um, are potentially they know someone who has a cow or a goat or a sheep or um, someone's milking something. So without a doubt, the, the fresh raw milk from, from an animal off the farm is, is an amazing way to get you know your lacto your lactic acid bacteria starter and if you live in a, in a good environment or you live near a water environment because you start out making your lactic acid bacteria you start out with the rice wash which is essentially a carbohydrate water you, you just coat rice with water dump it out you know just water in dump it out then you put the jar out in, in a nice environment because you want to attract the, the yeast, the wild yeast. You're basically, you're making your own, your own culture, your, your local culture. And then you, when you add that, after you let that sit for a week, you add that into raw milk and the incredible cheese that comes off on the top in this really large amount of, of lactic acid bacteria is potentially way more diverse and way more powerful and potent for you in a digestive sense than buying EM1. Sure. So I don't know of a place you can buy lactic acid bacteria, LAB, and I'm not even sure why that would make sense because I think the purpose of having it, lactic acid bacteria is making it yourself because you're enhancing your local indigenous microorganism population. So, and that's what makes it special. It's always going to be suited. If you make it presumably in the same area that you're using it, you're going to have things that are specially suited to that climate and that environment. Exactly. And maybe you live, work in a warehouse in a city and it's not so important. You know, that might not be so good. But, you know, um, and that may be a time to use EM1. And, and using EM1 is a specific lactic acid, yeast, and photosynthetic bacteria consortium which has a specific set of microorganisms in it, and you can either buy that activated or as a mother culture. We generally buy it as a mother culture because then you can expand it 20 times, times 20, so one gallon turns into 20 gallons. And that when you activate it with molasses, when you expand it, it's the same colony as the actual first mother culture, and then that's the way from that activated EM you can then make you can digest bran and make bokashi, and then that bokashi um, is a beautiful thing to use as a top dress because it has a dominant 
culture in it. You're not just throwing um, a bran out, which could attract any yeast. Like, let's say I know I've seen powdery mildew growing on the outsides of the gardens and on the trees around us from Washington and, or, and British Columbia, where we've just been recently. So I want to be really, really careful about my inputs that I don't want to attract that, that powdery mildew. So by using Bokashi and that lactic acid bacteria dominant culture, you're sort of shielding the top of your, of your soil yeah. you know, to be a protector. So that's, that's important. Um, so back to center with making teas. Um, we utilize, um, you know, a lot of different herbs that we grow around this area. And even people who have large indoor facilities, it's really easy if you've got, you know, 100-gallon pots that you dedicate 600-gallon pots to your biomass. And then this biomass can be utilized either in your worm bins, like we were talking about before, or easily in entered plant extract. And when you have the right inoculants, and there's so many different types of inoculants. You know, we were talking about EM1, we're talking about LAB, but also miso is a wonderful inoculant. You can utilize yogurt as an inoculant. You can utilize, I mean, there's just so kombucha. many. Kombucha. Yeah, we've got a buddy who uses kombucha. I always used yogurt. Yeah. Kefir. Um, and that's wonderful. So we really love diversity, the idea of diversity. Yeah, use your EM1, but also put in your miso, also put in your kombucha, also put in all of these wonderful probiotics that are going to help digest the plant material to make it more accessible. And, you know, when you have the right inoculants and you have the right diversity and, and, an, and, an, and an extreme amount of diversity, we notice that a plant ferment, you know, could happen within five days instead of 10 days because mm -hmm. it's so powerful and because it's eating down that plant material in such a quick way. And, you know, the things that we put in our plant, plant ferments are usually, you know, what, what do we have available that's going on and going off right now? You know, what is the healthiest thing around us? Like right now, uh, we just came home from a week away, and we noticed our comfrey is just going off. Well, that's going to be our first go-to, whereas two weeks ago, our nettles were going off, so our nettles were our first go-to. We want to be utilizing what's in our garden that's the healthiest. And, you know, like Sarah. I have said before, that you can grow these things. You know, alfalfa is really easy to grow. You can get four cuttings in a year if you grow them out of a pot. And if you decide that you wanted to drop one of those cuttings, then that's enough nutrients for the alfalfa to just continue to grow. And then utilizing all of your cannabis leaves, you know, cannabis loves nothing more than to eat itself because you've given it everything possible. You've given it all these wonderful minerals and nutrients that you've spent so much time and energy feeding to your plant. Well, all of that doesn't have to be wasted, especially if you're doing nice botanical washes. All of those leaves can be reused in an easy plant ferment or put into a worm bin or top dressed so that it doesn't go to waste. And that's a tremendous amount of money. And as we know, with the change of this industry right now, you know, the people that are going to be able to stay in this industry and be able to stay successful are the ones that are going to be able to produce the highest quality medicine at the lowest prices. So with all of these really big, huge corporations that are coming in, you know, I would hate to see people that have been in the industry for a very long time not be able to stay in it because their overhead costs are so high. 
So by utilizing your ferments and by utilizing plants that are in your environment are ones that you're growing for your own nutrients, the costs per gram per pound go down tremendously. And of course, the savings if you're if you're utilizing natural light, only compound on top of it. And you Absolutely. Know, if you like, if you have like the space have- like we have in some places in southern Colorado uh, and, so, and out west to kind of have greenhouse space and be growing a lot of your other, your other uh, dynamic uh, accumulator plants accumulator outside plants the greenhouses, outside the greenhouse you can really a really low cost greenhouse system greenhouse that can that far over compete an indoor, indoor you know warehouse. Absolutely. Yeah. We've always worked with Forever Flowering Greenhouses. They're an amazing company and, and using utilizing greenhouses along with warehouses is a really crucial way to go. Mm-hmm. And that's a closed loop. You know, the sun is there for you and you're utilizing it. It's not something that you buy, need to buy or try to create. We, we've we also been working with a lot of people all over the United States and in Europe uh, with Wally Peenies, so sinking the um, greenhouses into the ground. We have two of them here on our property, and once we built our first one, we would never go back. We'll never do in another above-ground greenhouse because you're utilizing geothermal, you're utilizing a beautiful microbial sink, as well as, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, well, is it more damp down there? Well, it's not. Actually, our Wally Peenies outperform our other greenhouses sometimes by double, depending on the years. How, so how we just feel sitting? like that's another closed loop. How deep are they sitting? About four foot? Or? No, we have one that is, is on a hillside, and it's facing southwest. And one side is seven feet, and the other side is up to 12 feet. Oh, wow. So it's dug really deep into the ground. So when you look at it, it looks like you've only got about three feet of greenhouse and that's just for the aeration and the flow you know around the outside and those greenhouses are are really amazing and we definitely have had way less pathogenic infestations of all kinds in there it's more stable and a lot of times problems come from extremes sure that makes sense your temperature is going to be more stable stable. yeah you have the earth buffer and all that yeah less fan needs but you still have fans and it, it seems like it's seems less like it's costly, costly to go down than to build up. You don't have to support as much. I mean, you have to excavate, of course, but it, it, from what I've read... You it might it even get a ton of usable dirt out of it if yep. you are in the right place. Sure. It, it might just be like, oh, my God, just look at this. You know, now I just have to add some compost and some, some lava rocks and, you know, just it can be a component to your, your beds that you, you, you would dig out. And, you know, we did a, um, a Wally Peeney for some dear friends in Durango area, and they hit bedrock after four feet. So the plan was that they were going to go down nine feet with this particular, you know, design that we had made. They were only able to go down four feet, and then we decided, hey, you know, let's just make it nine feet by all the dirt that we dug out of it, and we created this beautiful berm around it and then built the greenhouse over top of the berm, and it turned out amazing. And it also seems to have the same attributes and positive vibrations as all the other Wally Peenies that we've built. That sounds good. Sounds great. (laughs) Anytime you can use that excavated dirt to up your thermal mass, you're going to save on heating and cooling and create a more stable environment, too. Mm. Yeah, and then you... Yeah, and then you get into using heat exchangers. If you're already down that that far, you can trench. You can use a trencher and trench down farther and then get geothermal ground loops going. So you can use PEX and go through the ground and get through your beds 
and really easily create the geothermal heat. The heat exchangers are basically just using the coolant or the, or the, the material, which can be brine or, or oils or water. There's different things that can be in that loop, but it uses the earth heat, mm-hmm. and then it heats it up. So it's not having to heat an extreme temperature. It's, it's heating or, cool, or cooling. It does both. Um, heating or cooling that that stable temperature. So by going in with the Wally Peeny and then getting into geothermal technology, it just, it just turns into a, it's kind of a beautiful mix. Sure, and I mean the other cool thing about going down is that you still have a lot of surface space if you want to put solar or wind energy uh, harvesting up. Unless you don't have a greenhouse. And here in Colorado, up. we have a lot of wind, so of course when you're yeah. up, when you're at a big structure up top. There's always that, always like, you know, like, one yeah. day you come in, you missing a bunch of panels, and the whole thing's wrecked, you know? For real. Absolutely. And it's nice that you've just got, you know, nice, good wind that's just going right over top of your greenhouse because it's only maybe three feet above the ground. Yeah. And then you can build a tea station up off the ground about four feet, and it can gravity feed into your greenhouse, and then that's now true. you don't have gravity problems. feed from, like, waist height. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we do, you know, all of the greenhouse setups that we work with with people all have elevated tea stands so everything can be gravity fed because we all know how difficult pumps can be and, oh, they get clogged and, oh, and it's like you have to go back and forth and back and forth and we've just really cut out a tremendous amount of time, money, and energy just by elevating our teas. Yeah, no, that's cool. And you just brew it up high and then kind of open the tap and it flows down basically? You don't have to yep, got it. That's yeah. That's that's really smart. Complicated. And then all of the excess material, you know, that's in the fermented thing, just all gets lied on top of the soil as a top dress, and then in time, just creates more and more soil. Sure, as long as you're. So nothing ever goes enough. to waste. I imagine that's the, the only challenge you have to worry about. If you use thin tubing, thin then it probably tubing. gets clogged, and you got to climb up and take it all down. As yeah. long as you have thick enough tubing. So what we generally do is we have two different containers happening. We have. Let's say for a 100-foot or a 60-foot greenhouse, you'd have maybe a 300-gallon tote or two 300-gallon totes, one with the top cut out with a stump in front of it so that you can gather all your weeds and weed material and roots. You can pull up roots. You know, if there's burdock and yellow dock and different kinds of uh, um, bracken ferns, you, we pull the roots Great up. Great source of phosphorus. Yeah, the roots are amazing. So we chop the roots up with a machete on the stump, and we put everything in one of the containers, and we let it ferment. And there really are two kinds of ferments that, we, that, that people utilize. There's the fermented plant extract and the fermented plant juice. And the fermented plant extract is when you take an equal part of material and add an equal part of sugar or molasses to it, and then you extract the juices out of it after, let's say, two weeks. And then you use that juice, and then that juice is something that you can... um, you can um, do a ratio of one to 1,000 and spray foliar with. It's just a little more potent. We generally like to go with the fermented plant juices. We like the waters. So we take the weeds, we chop them up, we expose the plant blood, the chlorophylls, the enzymes, the growth hormones in the water. We let that ferment with all of our kombuchas and lactic acid bacteria and EM, and we, and we extract it, let's say, for a week or 10 days, and then to our other container to the left, we have built a frame with a wire mesh, and maybe we have two or three frames of wire mesh that we stack on top of each other, and then we can put a bucket in and dump the water from the bucket through the strain, through the wire mesh strainer, essentially straining all the plant material out of the water and just using the plant juice. And let's say let's fill that container up like halfway full of weed juice, 
And then we'll just get dirt, like forest dirt or some kind of good compost. We have all kinds of different composts on our property. We'll have a beneficial compost. Worm casting will add it to that and we'll aerate and fill the rest of the container up with water. And we'll basically activate our, our anaerobically fermented wheat teas. We, anaero- or we I'm sorry, aerobically activate the tea overnight. And then we um, gravity feed that water into our greenhouse. So there's no clogging in the hoses, and it just makes it really easy. And then the one is always left for fermenting, and then the other one is always used for aeration. So you have, yes, so you, you have, have your, your anaerobic, anaerobic, sort, of anaerobic sort of fermentation bin, fermentation and then you have your secondary the aerated aerobic brewing yep. bin. Yeah. Yep. And we know that that's good because the best medicines that, that humans have are fermented ones. They're the ones that last longer and it's the most easily assimilable nutrients. And it's the same for plants. It's, it's, it's so easy, it's beautiful, and it works really well. And we notice a really big difference after we get done feeding them easily within 12 hours. It's tremendous, you know, how well they respond to, you know, fermented plant juices and fermented plant extracts. So I'm trying to think if there's any other essentials we got to cover before we open up to questions here, because you guys have covered uh, everything really admirably, and of course, like with any natural system, it's pretty elegant, and there's not there's not a lot of complexity to it because Mother Nature does so much of the work. Yes. Yeah, we love that. Um, um, I, I don't think I think we've covered pretty much you know a bunch. Actually, we could probably go on for at least twelve more hours and cover a lot more well, we and definitely get hope more so, because we definitely want to have you back, and it would be really boring. <laughs> oh, we'd be honored. The same well, stuff. Uh, we one one of the biggest passions of everything that we do is is that there is a essentially a general toxicity happening in our environment, and we know we've seen so many family members getting ill, and and and. And, and gardens getting ill. <laughs> and outside, like we've talked about before, outside of the cannabis gardens, the trees and the different things, and, and we're just really passionate about fixing that with, a, with from a natural perspective, you know, and, and, and constantly treating our own bodies as well as we can. And, and that's what we have a medicinal mushroom, raw cacao drink, and we, we drink that every single day. I mean, we add... Um, all kinds of Chinese herbs and everything to that so that we can keep ourselves healthy so that we can have the energy it takes to go take care of our gardens. You know, and, and having pure gardens and, and good medicine and knowing your farmer is... is, is and, it, and then it starts to become like a lifestyle. So really, you know, we have a pure certificate. Um, it's oh, not... Let's talk about that. Yet. We haven't talked about that at all. Yeah, yet. we have a DEM pure certificate. It's not easy to get because it involves a lot of closed loops. So I think we have about 30 different farms that um, you know are certified now, as well as another 60 that are all trying to be certified. And we always say to everybody, it's more of a lifestyle. It's not something that, oh, you just check everything off. It's more of a lifestyle of how you are growing and how you're growing your family and how you're growing your gardens. Um, People that are utilizing polyculture systems and using regenerative farming systems, people that are growing mushrooms, people that are growing medicinal plants, um, that's all part of, of what we look to for a pure certification. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of been a rumor out there that it's really expensive to get and it's free, and we made it as <laughs> sort of a political um, 
not I wouldn't say political, but more of an activist statement against what the word organic means now. And, you know, Josh had covered that a little bit before, and we feel that, you know, the feds came in and sort of, um, you know, washed out what organics really means to us. So we're utilizing the word pure. And the farms that we are certifying, you know, we do talk about what type of inputs that they utilize, but more and more, you know, the six minimum closed-loop systems that they have to have in order to get a pure certificate is just the minimal base, and then it becomes addictive, these closed loops. And we get emails all the time from all of these certified farms saying, hey, I found another closed loop, and this is fantastic, and it's helping me in all of these different ways. So it becomes a lifestyle, and that's more of what fine. And we're and we're also looking at extracts as well, too. There's oh, a lot of oil life happening. <laughs> talk to us about that. Well, from the perspective of butane hash, you know, extracts or propane and 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 different things. I mean, we just feel like bypassing that. You know, we know that families have come up with incredible systems of purging, and they can come at us with perfect numbers and low numbers and stuff, but we feel, why put a plant through that extraction and then have to use all this, you know, machinery and all this stuff to extract it all, and it's coming from a hydrocarbon industry to begin with, which is one that's really taxing the planet, so by utilizing ice extracts and ice waters and rosins and pressing flowers and using that, we just know that that's better for the body. To produce all the equipment it takes to make a butane hash extract in itself is, has too much embedded energy in it to even want to look at. So, I mean, even CO2 systems have crazy amount of stuff in there, but we just realized that 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 CO2 extracts are known as a really high-grade botanical extract, and they're not a hydrocarbon, and so we allow... But that can be argued, too. So it's, yeah. a, it's a really interesting topic in our industry right now and trying to stay on top of what true health and well-being is. And, and again, going back to that biological intelligence, you know, from seed all the way to smoke, we like it to be healthy and we want to know that when it's being ingested by your body or being ingested by the soil that it's creating more of a biological intelligence and not taking away from that intelligence and unfortunately there's so many different extractions out there that are really taking away from that biological intelligence and also you know when you utilize butane extraction you can't reuse your leaves you, you, it's really nice that you can use a water, uh, ice water extraction method and all of that leaf material, all of those juices and everything can be put right back into your plants, which is saving you tremendous amounts of money. Well, depending on if you're, if you're into growing mushrooms, I guess you guys are too, then, then a bunch of hydrocarbons, bunch of hydrocarbons in, stuck inside in some uh, cannabis uh, leaves would be perfect food, food, food for all your, for all your uh, uh, a lot of mushrooms actually, you know, they, they're, I, they, they actually feed actually off that. Feed so off there's, that. There's, you could come up with arguments, with I guess. Arguments I think the biggest thing in the industry, in the industry though, is, you know, we're, a, we're like a lot of us are just lot really lot about, really the, about keeping, the keeping the traditional, traditional flavors, there, flavors there. Yeah. And the consistency, and the consistency that we're used to. Like when you get a good piece of hash, you know what a good piece of hash feels like. And when you get a piece, when you get a bit of CO2, it's never right. It's always like, it smells weird, tastes weird, and 
you know, if you look on a piece of paper, it looks great. It's like really high numbers. Yeah, the numbers on the piece of paper are all very high. <laughs> but it, it doesn't pass ever. You know, as far as I'm concerned, there might be somebody out there who will argue with me. But as far as I've seen, it's always like, eh, you know, and you that's know. Yeah. kind of what we're never what we're trying never to go for. It doesn't matter how healthy it is. I think we're, we're unhealthy at it because we'll, we'll cut that corner and then we'll be like, well, until that somebody comes up with something that produces that flavor, we're, we're kind of all stuck on it. Well, I mean, it really goes back to the idea of, you know, like a a chocolate bar to some people may taste a lot better than a raw cacao bar to other people, you know, and it's just, it's really personal preference, you know, I'm going to take the raw cacao bar every time because it tastes good to me and I know that it's healthy for me because if it's entering my body, it's going to create a high immune response rather than deplete my immune response. And now that we're starting to step into scientific research where we're talking about parts per billion, you know, that's sort of changing the game. You know, parts per million, things might have been coming up clean, but now all of these new test parts per billion, you know, not many things that are made with hydrocarbons are coming up clean. It's just a conversation yeah, the sure. pro- the for the industry. A lot of times they don't have a, uh, there's no amount, though. It just says either you got it or not. And when you're talk- talking billions, it's like, okay, well, <laughs> then, then, then we're not even in the, the realm of uh, harming anybody's health, in my opinion. Right. We're exposed to a lot of hydrocarbon things that we never know because we just don't think about it. It's just industry standard stuff, you know, it goes through. Absolutely. And, and a lot of people, when you look at what you're using, if you, um, I mean, I'm sure you guys do the same thing. You check out people's shopping carts and you're like, wow. I can't believe it. Yeah. What's wrong with that guy? You know what I mean? And then you like, move on to the next person. Crazy sauce. Because, uh, yeah, my wife and I were both. Uh, Definitely uh, food conscious, and you know we got a four-year-old, so we're, you know, nothing bad ever goes into his body as much as we can to help it until a friend comes by or something. We're like, "What did you just get? What? Are you kidding me? Skittles? You gave him a Skittles? Skittles? <laughs> like, no, it's <laughs> pure body. It only has blueberries. Yeah, it's only ever had blueberries. <laughs> Never seen a Skittles. But it's like your point on the cacao bar. Like, like my kid Farron doesn't like treats. Like on her first birthday, we tried to give her some cake, and it was gross to her. She didn't like that. It was too simple a flavor, and it's very much that way. You know, we're talking about maybe some people are very into that extracted flavor of of hash, whether CO two or or hydrocarbon extracted. But like that pure flavor of resin, you can't rebuild. You can't take that apart and rebuild all that nuance. No. You can't even and detect what? it all on machines yet to know what you're rebuilding. You know, you'll have... Absolutely. Uh, I see like 16 terpenes, 24 terpenes, 30 terpenes. You know, there's hundreds of terpenes. They're in very trace amounts. Maybe that machine wouldn't detect it because it's in billions, but your body detects it. And your body detects yeah. it aesthetically, but your body also detects it in terms of its effects. It, it does something to your body, and that's why, you know, it feels different to smoke... Uh, well, I would say this. Well, if you make ha- uh, rosin out of a bud and you smoke that rosin, it's pretty close to how it feels to smoking that bud versus yeah. BHO from that bud is pretty different. Yeah. What's better than having a couple terpene drops on your ice water extractor? Or or let's put it this way. I put it on my snow cone this last weekend. It was amazing. A little Yoda on my snow cone. That's awesome. Incredible. <laughs> So the little terpene drops are water extracted. That's a beautiful thing. And having the terpenes, you know, to enhance your hash is like the most flavor you could ever wish for. Sure. Mouth fillers. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just fills your, makes your whole tongue and, and everything. <laughs> yeah. just, and the way it just shifts your high, that's kind of the craziest part about those when we first had some, uh, when we were at Emerald Cup last year. It was like, yeah. 
all of a sudden you're on one high totally, and then you just switch mm-hmm. up the terps. You don't switch what you're smoking, and boom, your your entire state mental state shifts. Oh, it was incredible. We were just with our Eugene family, and they had this this ter- these terpenes that have 46 cannabinoids in it. Wow. Yeah, it was just like the full just blaster. It was amazing. So yeah, we were. There's and a people lot are of getting more and more intelligent, and yeah. and they're just we're just getting better at it as a you know population. We're getting better as a community. We're getting better at it as a as a as an industry as well. And, you know, the more that we're able to learn from each other and we're not all recreating the wheel, then, you know, we can just get better and better. Oregon's really coming alive right now, too. It's a big year. Yeah, everyone, it everyone seems this week and last week, everyone has the word Portland or Oregon in their mouth. Oh, uh, it's, it's, it's a big deal. <laughs> you know, I know, you know. It's, it's, it's uh, a lot of changes coming. Yeah, it's finally time, it sounds like. Um, so with that, uh, I want to. I got to skip out, Adam. But why don't you come over to the control seat here, buddy? And then we'll open it up to Skype. Oh, he's dabbing. So I'll tell the what? listeners if you guys want to call in and talk to Dragonfly Earth Medicine, seven two zero three one zero eight two three seven seven two zero three one zero eight two three seven. Adam, just make sure you conference them in, so you don't hang up on on our guests. Let's see if they can do. Let's see if anyone calls in. Yeah. Well, we'll see if anyone calls in before I got to skip. Adam, you got any questions while we're while we're sitting here waiting for a call? Uh, I, mean, I, I know you're always every time we have an organics guy on. Yeah. you're always thinking about the farm and what you can do. You're like, ah, oh, that's good. That is easier than what I'm doing right now. No, and I thought about the geothermal thing too because I have a spot up on the top of the hill, and it's like, it's you know, it's all about all about digging in and digging in and saving some money and making money some and more. I, I mean, I also, I mean, also totally agree totally as far agree. as the. Uh, Stability of the temperature because that's that's the hardest thing. Where can we're, we do that at the farm? Can we dig into one of those hills? I could, I need let's a, get an excavator. We'll get I one. Need one. We'd be happy to help you guys. Yeah, yeah let's get them to the pros. We're in. Ones. We're in. That's it. We'll do a video. <laughs> That'll be great. That'll be really cool. <laughs> or come visit ours. You can. Utilize. You're welcome to come up here and visit ours we and come see what we're doing. Canada. No, I, I, I tried. It was hard. Yeah, it's not going to Canada. is a little <laughs> it's tricky. Hard. It's hard for me, man. Every time I it's getting way easier now that we're going to be heading into legalization with Trudeau too. They're not really caring about any type of past issues with marijuana violations. That's for sure. Oh, well, oh. Then we should try again. Yeah, Last time it was, it was pretty <laughs> difficult. Yeah. Well, there's such thing as a rehabilitation form. You can look into that later. It's, okay. ma- it's, it's they're making it real easy. Cool, cool. cool, cool. Um, I got. I don't think think we're we're going to be able to take another call, and maybe that has to do with this ecosystem. I'm not really sure. We don't have our techs here, but we're we're pulling it together. I think since this echo is only on our side, and these guys, when they talk, it sounds great. Yeah. We talk, it sounds terrible. That's true. uh, Well, when we hear you, it sounds great. See, so, so they don't have an echo. echo. So we have a great conversation. But yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're just in a multi-echo world. I don't know. <laughs> classic example of Adam Dunn show style But um, no, we, we, what we need to do, though, is obviously reschedule you guys for some uh, episode coming up soon. Get Jeremy on with them. You guys use a lot of Build-A-Soil products? Yeah. Have, are you familiar with our buddies at Build-A-Soil? Oh, definitely. Jeremy is a great guy. We think that he's fantastic, and what he's doing for the industry is really wonderful with all whole, whole foods and sources. So we definitely recommend him to you know people that we work with throughout. God, that guy must be getting recommended a lot. Yeah, such a darn nice guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's provided you know a lot of crucial um, you know parts to the puzzle. So. 
No, it's good because, uh, you know, with, with oh, oh, we got a, we oh, got we a got call in. Let call me see in. if I can do this right. Add, Add to, to group, group call. Here we go. Hey, we're 757. We got you on the line. Who are we talking to? No, no, they're good. They're good. What's going on, buddy? You're on the line with Dragonfly Earth Medicine. Awesome. Awesome. I had a question for them. I love their products, by the way. Uh, man, I had a quick question, though. Um, you know, a lot of people doing the fermenting stuff and, uh, you know, the whole uh, Korean natural farming. And, uh, I saw someone, they started getting dry amendments, and they actually started fermenting them. And uh, I actually see one person in particular on uh, Instagram Instagram name is uh, the world's one shot, and uh, that's all one one letter. Yeah, it's one word. And uh, he got some mean seed meal, and he uh, and he fermented it. And supposedly, it does has the same uh, IPM effects as uh, neem oil. And I was just wondering your guys' take on that, because uh, I'm trying it right now. I'm, I'm currently fermenting it right now, but I, you know, I'm kind of reluctant to try it on my plants. <laughs> Yeah. Well, whenever we use anything new, you always want to try it on like a couple of leaves and then come back to it, you know, after I've noticed that 4 hours seems to be that magical time, 3 to 4 hours whether the plant is going to respond well to it or negatively respond to it. So I always tell people whenever they're trying something new, even if it's a tried and true recipe for everybody else, but because you've never used it in your own garden, you really want to spray it or drench it on one plant. Just, you know, don't, don't do the whole thing and then find out that maybe that wasn't the right recipe. So you always want to do a little part on a plant and then just see what happens to it. But whenever you're fermenting anything, you're going to be pulling out all of the best beneficials and adding more beneficials to it. So fermenting mean seed meal sounds like a great idea. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I mean, I tried, I actually just tried a spray some foliar on my plants with uh, some country that I had fermented from the garden I had outside, and, and man, they responded with it. Everyone was praying, you know, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, comfrey, comfrey is one of those magical plants that, you know, is so underused, and it's ridiculously easy to grow. The only problem that you have with comfrey is that it can take over. <laughs> the problem is not knowing how to grow it. The problem is getting rid uh, of it. Yeah, yeah you got to get the, the Bakken, your... uh, what was that, Bakken 14? Bakken 14, that was always what Coot said. Yeah, 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 that's the one I got. It's good stuff, though. I mean, uh, the fermenting so far, I see, I see good things with it as far as uh, cost efficiency, like getting a box of dry amendments and fermenting it. Like, uh, I'm also fermenting some alfalfa, which I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, because I've also heard that, uh, for instance, if you get alfalfa seed uh, and you sprout it, and then you air, you, you aerate, uh, sorry, you aerate it, and if you aerate it for too long, it can become a, a herbicide. Uh, is, that, is there any truth to that? I don't know if anyone else has heard that. I've never heard that. You know, maybe that's true, but we utilize alfalfa and all different types of things. And just, you know, what we were saying before on the show, which is really important, is that when you're getting your dry amendments, don't just count on that OMRI seal. 
you have to go further. Just because it's OMRI means that it's been reviewed. It doesn't necessarily oh, yeah. mean that it's organic. And unfortunately, I have found quite a few alfalfa products out there that are OMRI certified that are really less than, than optimal, beyond less than optimal. I can't even really get into it because it's so horrific. Right. That sounds like a good I mean, topic for another that show. That sounds like another show. That's a great topic for another yourself, show, right? You just, you just figured out our whole thing we were trying to figure out earlier. Yeah, we're like, what's the I next mean, show like, we uh, The whole thing about, you know, growing your own shit, you know, it's like grow your own alpha, you know what you put into it. Uh, you know, exactly. You can't take a Dr. Earth box for granted, you know, like, hey, yeah, sure. Nah. I think as an industry, we're so product-centric that we just really need to move away from products and move more towards whole foods, which it sounds like you're totally on that line, and you're going to benefit greatly from this new program that you're doing. Awesome. Right on. Right well, on. we're coming up on 420 our time in about a minute. Thank you guys so much for calling in, for sharing with us, for inspiring us. Uh, and for giving us a lot of great new ideas and for promising to help us uh, build a greenhouse in the ground at the farm. Exactly. Thanks, yeah. Yeah, we'll come out for sure. That's awesome. Well, and we really want to just take a second to just honor you all for what you have done for this industry as a whole, honor you as individuals for how you live your own lives, and we're just totally inspired by every single show that you all put out to try to make this world a better world and this industry a better world. We're, we're so honored to be on your show today you just became our favorite guest i'm pretty sure no one ever thinks yeah like that's that. great yeah well no we're very thankful for you kelly's last name is dunn too same as adam dunn. oh right you could be my You're brother like brothers and sisters you could nice. be my brother we'll, we'll we'll have to dig into the genealogy we'll check that out <laughs> <laughs> well, actually no my family came through canada too oh, whoa, whoa. I think genomic sequencing could be a really important show for you too, and Mowgli Homes and the Philo bio. Uh, Dude, you are so on point with like are, reading our minds. I was literally, as soon as we hit the off button, going to tell Adam yeah. an update on that. That's crazy. Yes, yeah, we will definitely be in touch a lot with you of, guys. Uh, you know, you can Magli name and train anything. Yeah, Mowgli is definitely coming. But the genomic sequencing is where it's at. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you guys so much for your time, for your thoughts, for your sharing, for your really kind words. We will bring you back on in the very near future. We should do an episode with them and Jeremy at your farm, Adam. That would be awesome. That would oh, be yeah. awesome. Let's do that. Let's do it. It right, sounds guys. amazing. You guys have a fantastic afternoon. You as well. Enjoy, enjoy your weekend. Yeah. Take care. All right. We're 420ing right, we're 420ing it, and you guys enjoyed it in an hour. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, take care. Awesome guests, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Super See, the echo's good. gone, right? It was Skype. It was Skype all along. I knew it. Oh, fucking, Skype. fucking Skype. All right. Uh, Let's do shout-outs and then. Yeah. Uh, big, big shout-out to Way to Grow. These guys are unbelievable as far as getting the products out to the people for over 11 years now. Uh, full shop, everything from grow equipment all the way it's down to It's pretty much the Home Depot of growing. The yeah, Home Depot growing. All, all, Home Degrow, exactly. Yeah, you like that? Home Degrow? Home Degrow. And uh, seven locations, so they're everywhere. All over Colorado. And uh, my favorite town, Platte River, 1051, uh, is one of the biggest ones. That's 20,000 square feet of grow gear. Deliver, you know, pick it up. Used to be delivered, but. They'll (laughs) deliver. Well, and that's if you have a big enough order. If you are a commercial customer, hit them up. They'll give you great rates. They'll get scheduled delivery. Sure. You know, they're just not going to deliver everyone like a bag of dirt. That's not really happening. That ain't happening. No. But and of it, course, uh, speaking of bag of dirt. Bag of dirt. Or, <laughs> when, you, when you get to the counter with your bag of dirt, 
if that's what you are. There. I guess say Adam Dunshow. That's why you say bag of dirt. Say yeah, just every, any, you know, anything. It's not gonna hurt. It's not gonna hurt. Just keep keep saying the Adam Dunshow. Yeah, when know. you're checking out, make sure that that you just they mumble know. Mumble it, mumble it like I would. Take as you're eating the candy, just say Adam Dunshow. <laughs> Adam Dunshow. Yeah. If Mumbling. they give you, here's the thing that that they don't explain. It, it's reasonable to take one to two pieces of candy, no matter what you say. Yeah. If you say Adam Dunshow, you can keep taking candy. That's how the kid gets away with it. I took 40 to 60 pieces of candy last time I was there. You just have to keep saying Adam Dunshow. Adam Dunshow. Well, every time they Mumbling, look at you, yeah, Adam say Adam Dunshow. Yeah, and eat candy. Yeah. And then say the kid. Yeah, say the kid said it. Kid said it's okay. Of course, big, big shout out. Speaking of candy, to our buddies at Incredibles Edibles, America's best edibles, most delicious, best flavor combinations, most consistent potency, and probably like the the most legit potent stuff I've ever uh, messed with. Well, it's all in-house, and they know what they're doing, and they it's, don't mess around. And they don't put anything out unless it's amazing. Like, if it's like, oh, that's an okay flavor. That's pretty good. Some people like it. That's not going to get put out. It's got to be something that's really blowing minds, just like with their concentrates, with the shatter, uh, and, of course, with their pens, the Incredit pens. If you can find them, again, you've never heard us recommend a pen on this show, really, but if you can find an Incredibles pen... Get yourself one. It's really a treat. And, of course, big, big shout-out to Build a Soil. I think that's a good idea for an episode, right? Get Jeremy and Dragonfly at, sure. at Aces Farm. Of course. And we'll do, like, a video yep. special yeah. Christmas. Yeah. What about Christmas <laughs> in the farm in the snow? We'll be, like, digging around in the snow yeah. looking for soil. Yeah, proving that it's just yeah. holds the temperature. Yeah. Uh, if you guys are interested in getting a worm farm going, you're interested in getting compost bin going, you're interested in doing a no-till bed, you're looking to make some compost teas, or you're looking for any of the magical ingredients into all this stuff, check them out, buildasoil.com. Tell Jeremy we sent you. He will take. He takes such good care of everyone, I can't even promise that he'll take extra good care of our people because he takes great care of everyone. That's, that's just how Build a Soil works. So I guess it's our loss. But it's your gain. I'm not really sure how that works. Of course, skipped them the first time. Big shout out to the family at Dark Horse Genetics. Dark Horse Concentrates. The first Dark Horse Genetics recreational Colorado seed drops are done. They're getting packaged next week. Nice. Some some TH seeds crosses in there. Beautiful. Some Dark Horse stuff. Uh, and coming soon is going to be the archive gear that's going to be in the next uh, rotation. Uh, and we also got, uh, of course, the Concentrates. New Harvest coming down. Just came down. Tanner's coming back from the gorge next week, and we're going to be running a whole bunch gorgy inspired, gorgeous shit. Gorgy inspired. Gorgy inspired. Gout. No, gout's gone. Just the gorge. The gorge, not the gout. Uh, big, big shout out to hydrop- Hydroponic Research. Make yourself Veg and Bloom. We love Veg and Bloom. Large scale operations. Large scale uh, operations. You, you don't have time operations. Lazy operations. Sounds like a few people I know. You're in a situation where you just can't trust nature because nature is unpredictable around you. Veg and Bloom. It's powder. It's dry. It sits on your shelf. If you, if you don't use it for 20 years, it'll still be good in 20 years. Uh, couldn't be more simple. Uh, as uh, Make sure you get the right blend for your water. That's you the nice set. part about it, though, is they have all different custom blends. So. And, and it makes you think about everyone else who doesn't, right? Now you're like, wait yeah. a second. So oh, the water much of a difference, and you're going, and you, which of course it does. Most of what you're feeding is water. Yeah. Then how come everyone else doesn't have custom blends? That's why the only really packaged nutrient you'll ever hear us talk about here, Veg and Bloom. And our buddies over at Growstones. Make a Growstone. I sip, I save, Saved save, it for this. Adam's making Growstones for you guys uh, to make Growstones for the people. Um, Growstones, what hard. can I say? The, probably the best aeration amendment that you can put in your soil. It's going to provide you a, opt- a superior mix of air and water. 
It's going to provide, uh, if you're growing organically or even if you just have some life that's accidentally in your system, it's going to give you a better cation exchange uh, ratio it's capacity. It's going to give you places for your micro life to kind of shelter and hang out. When you're holding more of that water and air in there, that's going to give you a better, as our friends Dragonfly were talking, a better total environment in that root zone to cultivate the sort of life you need. Uh, you can check them out at GrowstoneUSA.com. And, of course, Seeds Here Now. 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 Uh, What's the new new? What did he say is the new hotness? Hold on, my new. phone died and he sent it to me, but I, yeah. I want to know. I didn't get to read it because my phone died. Uh, oh, my God. Adam forgot his password on his phone. <laughs> we'll never know yeah, what the hotness go. is. Here we go. Here we go. I'll oh. tell you right now. The new Damn. hotness. Big thing. They now have a VIP text club, so you can hear about all the latest drops first. They're giving away a pack of the brand new Trap Star from Exotic to one winner today. You just have to text the words Adam Dunn. To this phone number, it's 530-506-5236. Text the words Adam Dunn to 530-506-5236. The winner will be chosen and announced next week. And next Monday, new drop from Dark Horse will be available for sale on the site. New flavors, the lemon cream, lemon head, orange lemon, the Bruce Banner BX2. We've been doing some playing. That lemon cream, whew, the Joe's Lemonade Cookies and Cream. That one's the special one. Grab those before they're gone. That one's inside not going to get scoop. made again. Oh, inside That's scoop. the inside scoop. That's the one I'm most excited about uh, from the, the, the mouth of the dark horse. The mouth of the dark horse. <laughs> right on, guys. I know we're cutting it a little short this week. We got to go run to the bank and make sure we get all moved into our new location so we have a new studio for you next week. Uh, we start a little late, but hopefully this was pure content, no fluff. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys soon. Peace. Peace. Should I play the intro out? Sure. Sure? Yeah. Should I just play news, news, news? Practically every one of the top 40 records being played on every radio station in the United States is a communication to the children to take a trip, to cop out, to groove. The psychedelic jackets on the record album. We don't want you to smoke genetically modified ganja. We want you to smoke the real thing. We want you to smoke the natural herb. Some call it marijuana. Some call it sense media. Some call it lamb's bread. And some people.